You want to talk to us about unconditional love. And, and you know, that's a term that sort of gets thrown out a bit. You, you hear unconditional love a bit, especially in church circles, but even broader than that. And interestingly enough, when I, I just typed, I just asked Mr. Google, you know, <laughs> unconditional love, and, and the variation of definitions, and it, it went everywhere from, um, you know, uh, uh, love with no strings attached, which I think, yes, that's sort of where I land on the unconditional love scale, right through to it is a toxic myth. So I think somehow our society might be a bit confused about unconditional love, which makes sense because I, I didn't realise how confused I was about it until fairly recently in my life. So if you don't mind, I'm going to be a little bit open and uh, I'm going to share a little bit of a journey with one of my children. I've got three amazing children. They're all wonderful and beautiful. We have one beautiful child in particular who sees the world very differently to me <laughs> and to Sue. And... Um, and has sort of, you know, I guess bent boundaries, broken boundaries, broken our hearts at times. And, um, and we talk about our, our whimsical child. It's the, it's the term. It sort of sums it all up. The whimsical child. And, uh, and interestingly, recently I was, in a, uh, I was in a professional oversight meeting with a psychologist just talks to me and debriefs about all the, the, the stuff that you face in ministry life. And uh, I went in, I think I'd seen him twice, and I went in for a third visit like, you know, six, nine months later. And uh, I was like, good. It's like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. Everything's good in my world. I don't feel stressed. I feel great. I feel awesome. He said, would you like to talk about anything else? I said, I wouldn't mind talking about one of my children. <laughs> And within about three minutes, he said, uh, we're going to move from professional oversight, professional caring for you. We're going to move from that to therapy if I've got your permission. I, and I said, does it cost any more? <laughs> <laughs> he said, no. I said, good. Well, if you think it'll help me, great. You know, and uh, I told him the story of my, uh, you know, my relationship with my child over a decade or two and... Um, he was in tears and uh, I sort of was looking at him and he said, do you believe in the unconditional love of God? He said, of course I do. I mean, I'm a preacher. He, you know that. And this guy's coming from a faith background. So, of course, you know that. You know that. He said, you don't, you don't understand it, do you? I said, well, I, I think I do. He said, you haven't got a clue. <laughs> he said, you're absolutely clueless about what that means. And then proceeded to point out a few points in my story where my love really was attached to my expectation of a response. I couldn't believe it, but I had been meeting out love as a reward for obedience or a response that I was looking for. And, uh, you know, I, I think maybe when children are this big, you know, it is transactional. There comes a point in all their lives, sometimes far sooner parents than what we want, where actually the only thing left to do is not to instruct and not to expect, but to love. And then I sort of had a revelation that day that my role had shifted from being a parent who sort of steered things and made, made, kept things safe and happy and whatever. It shifted from that to the only thing I've got left that I can do is love. 
And it's really, really interesting when it's disconnected from expectation that you realize that actually is unconditional love. I didn't like this guy. I mean, he was swearing at me. I mean, who swears at their counselee? This guy did, just to get my attention. And I didn't realize just how blind I was as a preacher who has preached the unconditional love of God for years to it not operating in my own life. And maybe for three days, I did not like this guy at all. For three days, I was saying, I can't believe he, I can't believe he swore at me. I can't believe he did this. I can't believe he did that. <laughs> By day three, probably night three, I'm like, I think he might be right. I think he might be right. And so I changed a little bit of tack, um, put in place a few things that he suggested, and it totally changed the dynamic and the relationship I have with my child. It's not exactly how I want it to be yet, but boy, it changed some things. And so I want to sort of talk to us today. The, the title of my message is uh, The Shocking Truth <laughs> About Unconditional Love. I'll try and be as quick as I can. I need to move it. The Shocking Truth About Unconditional Love. And obviously, I'll take this from a Bible base. And I guess the, the funny thing was when it lit up in my heart towards my child, scripture lit up everywhere exactly the same time. And uh, here's some thoughts about unconditional love. It must be expressed in word and action. You know, James says, faith without works is dead. Well, I tend to think love's the same. As a matter of fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul writes that we quoted at weddings, etc., he defines love. If you look at it, um, it's pretty active, Love is pretty, it's pretty noticeable, you know, like if someone loves you, uh, they should know it. Yes, it's good to tell people, but if you love someone, they should know it without you saying. Because it is really expressed in action, and it can be expressed in word, and it needs to be. Have you ever noticed how, how one party in a relationship can be, be believing all kinds of things about the relationship that might not be true? And the only way to change that is to act and speak in a way that communicates love. You know, if you just think, think really simply, friends who get offended with one another, that happens. Probably if I asked us to put our hands up, probably most of us in the room would say, I once upon a time had a great friend that I always thought I'd be close to, but then something was said or something was done, it was never resolved and now I don't know them anymore. It's just a painful chapter in my life. Most of us have probably had that kind of a... And the only thing that can fix that is you've got to express some unconditional love if you want to fix it. Now, some bridges probably need to be burned. I don't know. If it's a toxic relationship, let it burn, baby. <laughs> but, but if you actually appreciate that relationship, then the only way it can be restored is to act and speak in a way that communicates unconditional love. In spite of what happened, I still love you. In spite of what you're doing, I still love you. Yes, and I know boundaries and things have to be appropriate, but at the end of the day, I, I think scripture says one thing remains, or these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And somehow they're really, really tied together. Um, if I look at it, you know, with God, when it comes to our misunderstandings of God, 
poor images of God that often have been preached in church. Incomplete images of God. People making God out to be some tribal warlord preaching Old Testament passages that had a very, very clear context in the time. And us sort of getting a picture of God as angry and blah, blah, blah. And then we go to the New Testament, you see something very, very different. You see Jesus Christ, God's son. And the Bible says things like this about him. I love this, this passage. This is out of the NIV, Hebrews 1.3, talking about Jesus. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, the express image of of his person, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And talks about him bringing forgiveness of sin. But at the end of the day, if you see God as any different to the way you see Jesus, you've got God wrong. There's the express image. And God knew that the only way his unconditional love could be communicated was for him to act and speak. And so he did it, even to the point of being incarnate and coming amongst us so we could finally get the picture right. Well, I think God's this and I think God's that and I'm trembling in fear. And then Jesus turns up and begins healing people and forgiving the unforgivable. (laughs) And then the writer of Hebrews says, "He's, he's like a minted coin. He's exactly what God is. You want to know what God looks like? Look at him and you'll see exactly what God's like. Unconditional love, it has to, it has to act, it has to speak. Because I, I think often we can just be trapped in our own thinking of, of course I love them and of course they should know. But sometimes you're just not acting and speaking a way that communicates that message sometimes out of for me just personally out of disappointment or out of fear we just can't say what needs to be said anyway that's just me it's non-transactional this is something I'm still trying to get my head around as someone who's preached a transactional gospel most of my life not realizing it But unconditional love isn't transactional. Unconditional love doesn't depend on you anteing up your side of the bargain. That's conditional. I'll love you if. (laughs) How about I love you? (laughs) That's unconditional. Uh, It doesn't depend on one party doing something to earn it. And the cross is just... The perfect representation of this, the cross of Jesus Christ. What is this whole thing about? What is this whole Christianity thing about? It is actually about God affirming the fact that I love you in spite of you. (laughs) And I'll even pay a price to get close to you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. I'm going to read this verse a couple of times. I just want to read part of it for this point. And, and, the, and Paul simply says, and this is not yourselves, it is the gift of God. You know, what God's doing in our hearts, being able to be close to the creator, having a relationship with God, all of that is a gift. Sometimes we think we earn it because we respond well. 
You might not receive it if you don't respond, but responding is not the issue. God's the one who took the big step towards us. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5, again, verse 18, 19, 20. Am I allowed to use a bit of scripture? Because I've been on holidays and sort of feeling the need. Is that okay? And it simply says, and I've read this passage a number of times this year already, but God was in the world, or sorry, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. The next passage says, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So basically, (laughs) Jesus coming to us, the incarnation, was proof that God's not holding anything against us. Before the cross. Because if he was holding something against us, he couldn't have come. I never got that. I thought because of the cross, now God can approach us and we can approach him. It's like, uh, no, the only reason Jesus could come is because God had already dealt with it. Maybe we needed to see someone pay. It's also proof that God can't be in the presence of sin. Has anyone... We were brought up on that stuff. If you're evangelical background, we're brought up with that stuff. God can't be in the presence of sin. Sin can't be in the presence of God. Sinful man can't be in the presence. Well, Jesus came to earth. He was God and walked amongst some pretty, he went to some pretty hectic parties. (laughs) Talking about sinful man. Jesus couldn't have come if God was holding it against us. He didn't. And the brokenness that we experience, that we call sin, our shortfall, our shortcomings, when we live less than fully human and people get hurt, God doesn't like it, but he seems to be very comfortable with it by coming and engaging it and modelling a whole different way of living. Unconditional love. You can only do that with unconditional love. To exercise unconditional love, you've got to forgive first. You know, I'd like to think that if I said something right now that really, really offended you, you wouldn't have to come and say to me, I forgive you, because you've already done it. You know what I mean? Practice a bit of pre-forgiveness. God's really good at it. He's really, really good at at it. But then I think... We needed to see that sin had been dealt with and Jesus was willing to pay a price. We've often said that he had to pay. Well, I think that's on us. We needed to see something that proved it and we did. The funny thing is, is the way that we've preached the gospel sometimes. It's like uh, God didn't count his sins against us. When did he start again? When we make people feel or when we feel like God's holding stuff against us. When did he start? After, I don't see any passage on that, but it seems in our minds sometimes we're thinking like, you know, Jesus come, uh, thank God he came and he was able to come because he didn't count his sins against us. But somewhere after that, he must have started counting again. Sorry, is this too radical a gospel to preach? I'm pretty convinced that if you preach the gospel the way Paul preached it, you would get run out of most churches. Paul did back in his day, remember? (laughs) He had quite a bit of trouble with his gospel. 
God's not waiting for you to clean your act up. I just want to say that to everyone here. God's not waiting for you. You might not have a faith journey with God. Fantastic. You're in a great place right now. You might be thinking, oh, but I'd have to, you know. No, no, no. He's there now. He's there now. Now, if you want to share intimacy with him and know him, there might be some things you want to change. God doesn't have favourites. He does have intimates. But ultimately, he's there already. You don't have to usher him in or you don't have to radically change your life to experience him. You just need to reach out. Just receive. It's pretty simple, really. Last thought is it doesn't mean unconditional love. It doesn't mean anything will change. But without it, nothing can change. I know that's a bit of a (laughs) twisted thought. Let me get to it. You know, God's reached out to us and he's done all that's needed. Could we agree with that? Like if we understand the cross of Jesus, that was all that was needed for God to do. Whether we receive it or not is another matter. You know, so the only thing God can't do for us really is respond on our behalf. So in that sense, you know, love, unconditional love might not necessarily change anything. Because I see people reject Jesus all the time. There's unconditional love that every human heart doesn't, might not realise it is starving for, laid out on a platter, but unless you actually receive it, it's not going to particularly change your world. But I'm also equally convinced that without it, maybe nothing can change. So without unconditional love, you know, if I think about in our lives and the way we treat people, without that, we will burn bridges that maybe one day we want to cross. I've learnt this with with my whimsical child. (laughs) Unwittingly burning bridges that I actually needed to get across. So, you know, without unconditional love, you know, it doesn't guarantee things will change, but without it, I guarantee things probably won't. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, And if you look at it, you know, in different things like communication, um, when there's a bit of a breakdown of relationship, often if you can't talk to the other person, it's because they perceive there's an expectation on their response. Have you noticed that? Have you ever felt that when you're like, I don't really want to talk to this person because I know they're just after this? And that's, you know that it's not unconditional. Whereas you're quite willing to talk when you think there's no agenda. And I think that's sort of how God comes to us, but we haven't presented him that way. It's been this big agenda of jumping through hoops and becoming a churchian. <laughs> when God's just reached out going, I don't hold anything against you. Can we connect? No agenda? Now, again, any of us have walked with Jesus know that if you actually do open your heart, it is going to change your life. But it's not the agenda God comes with. The agenda God comes with is one of love and connection. I think God's confident that if you connect to him, everything will change after that. But so often in church, we've sort of had this little list of expectations we put on people. You want to come to God, it's going to mean this and this and this. And Well, how dare you say it? it's going to mean that for that person? It might be different for that person or that person. You know, when I became a Christian, honestly, my God was my car. If ever there was idolatry, it was there. And God didn't touch it for six months. 
I was leaving the church car park after I got saved, doing a burnout up Union Lane. <laughs> side to side, filled with the joy of the Lord, breaking the law ridiculously. And for six months, until I felt a bit of a tap on the shoulder that maybe I needed to surrender that too. Now, honestly, if I was a pastor back then, I probably would have said, you should get rid of that car, mate. It's not a Jesus image. But I went straight to the Christian bookshop and bought a sticker that said, I believe in Jesus and put it on the back windscreen. And therefore, my Tirana was also a Christian. <laughs> Aren't we weird? It's just like, what? just connect with God. Just open your heart. Come as you are. You are loved unconditionally. There's not an agenda. There's actually love. And when you experience that love, it's just possible that everything can change. You know, the fact is there's only one real relationship on this planet that's not looking for performance. I think as humans, we just got to admit it, at times we have our agendas. And I think this is what makes Jesus so powerful. He is the only relationship you'll find on this planet whose only agenda is to love you. There's nothing else in it. But that love will transform you. I go back to Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. God reached out first with grace, and so must we. You know, if we want to live unconditional love, I know it's transformational, but if we actually want to live it, not just talk about it, then we've got to reach out first. And some people receive it, and hearts soften, and change comes, and some don't. In our relationships, just the way it is with God and us. But as I said, without unconditional love, nothing can change. With unconditional love, anything or anyone could change. And I know that because here you are. And here I am. God's changed us. So I want to finish with this thought, the shocking truth about unconditional love and this picture on the screen it was only taken 10 days ago or so at Byron Bay. You know, it, it's really, really sad, but as a dad, I'm, I'm confessing. That's probably something, that's a photo that couldn't have been taken for nearly 10 years of my child's life. We'd just been down to look at our childhood, my childhood holiday haunt. We're down at Suffolk Park Beach at Byron Bay. My parents had a holiday house there that they sold for $28,000. <laughs> uh, but whenever I'm down that neck of the woods, we love to revisit it. And my daughter lives there now, not far from there. And so we went down, we went down to the old beach exit. We, I used to go fishing with dad and went there and looked at the beach and on the way back and it had been lovely and we'd been talking and I just reached out, took my daughter's hand and she very happily held it. And that could not have happened outside of just releasing expectation and going, as a dad, I've only got one job now. I mean, I've given all the instruction, I did my best. 
there's only one thing I can do now. And that's, that's love unconditionally. It feels pretty good. <laughs> it does. And uh, this is what I discovered. I discovered that unconditional love can change any heart. Just don't be surprised if it's yours. Because <laughs> we're just always looking for the other person to change. Aren't we? Because we're always right, really, aren't we? And there's just something about unconditional love that, you know, it, we're not talking about who's right or wrong anymore. We're just talking about love because it's unconditional. There ain't no conditions on it. So just some questions for us and ho- might help us in our relationships. Can I express love in word and deed to those I may not see eye to eye with? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Are there people in my world I withhold affection from until they meet my expectations? You know, was, that was a, that's a big one. And, you know, the, the fact is, I think over the years, it, just personally for me, I'm pretty sure I've dealt with all these issues before on another level somewhere. And then, you know, you do another decade and you find yourself... Has anyone found that if you've been around tracking with God for a while? It's almost like there is nothing new to win. There's nothing new to deal with. You're just going to get the test. You're going to take the test on another level somewhere. That's certainly been the case for me. So are there people in your world you withhold affection from till they meet your expectations? And I guess I'm talking about loved ones I know there's got to be expectations expectations in society I'm not saying it should be a free-for-all I'm just saying people that you go I love them the question is do you am I destroying bridges I may need to cross in my relationships even as I've spoken just really been believing that it brings some healing and maybe even just highlight some things where you could Cross a bridge and improve your whole world. Last question is, what can I choose to do or say today to turn it all around? Really, really simple. And, uh, and I'd like to pray for us. And as I do, I just encourage us all, just think, just think of your relationships and around what's at your fingertips. Some of them might be really, really painful, but maybe some of them fit in that slot of, you know what? I recognise my expectations have actually driven us apart and maybe I just need to practise some unconditional love right there. As I said earlier, you know, for us who, who are parents, we know as kids, that, you know, when they're this big, there's got to be expectations, there's got to be boundaries, we've got to grow them up. But we also know that at some point you've got to let them go. And I guess it's at that point that I'm talking.